Do you have somebody in your life who loves books? Somebody who not only loves books, but always wants to share what she's reading with you, thinking you're just going <laughs> to love her latest selection. And inevitably, you just can't stand that book that they recommended. That's us. Oh, yeah. We both read a lot. Well, I don't even read. I listen. But we very rarely agree on what constitutes a good read. I enjoy books that build up new worlds, invite magic and mystery into our lives. Science fiction and fantasy rule. I listen to a variety, but it's all grounded in reality. You can keep your elves and space operas. I feel the need to note that this month's book doesn't have either Different. Of quite different. I know. Just, you know, sorry to interrupt the flow of things, but... Hey, it's your intro. Boy. Well, welcome to our podcast. You're making me read what? Your hosts on this monthly podcast are myself, Jessica, and my colleague, Christine. We're librarians who get a thrill out of a great book, but usually can't stand what the other person is reading. We've each selected some of our all-time favorite books, and each month we'll alternate between the lists with the goal of persuading the other to enjoy a read she would never have picked up on her own. Mmm. Never, you say. Never. Even a book that isn't entirely your style may have some redeeming qualities to it, right? I guess we'll see. And we definitely need to do the spoiler alert on this one. Yes. For, for two reasons. Because, you know, actual spoiler alert stuff. <laughs> and there's a sequel coming out <gasps> at the end of the month of November, which is very close to when we were recording. So Excellent. Required. Now do. is the time for us to warn you that we're going to discuss the whole book, including the endings and any non-magical twists. Correct. Because there are no magical twists in this one. I will ruin the whole book to start with. <laughs> uh, if you hadn't yet read... <clears throat> the Maid by Nita Prose. And don't want us to spoil anything for you. Please stop listening now and join us again after you've read it or decided you aren't going to read it. And that is also a spoiler, a spoiler within a spoiler alert about the title of our book. Although I suppose if people have clicked on this episode, there's like a cover copy and it says the book and things like that. People are pretty smart. Uh, okay. People yeah. who listen to both people. of the people who listen to our <laughs> podcast are very smart, all right, of, Amy? All of the many book people who enjoy books and listening to us, <laughs> bicker, friendly, like, are very smart. That's true. But yes, our, our podcast this month is about the book The Maid by Nita, N I T A. It is not Nina, nope. although I attempted several times to be autocorrected when I was typing up my notes here. Like, I would put in Nita and be like, are you sure you don't mean Nina? And I would say, no, I don't mean Nina. And then you type it again, and it was a really? And eventually, I had to add the word to my dictionary oh my on my computer so it would stop. Ain't technology grand. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> By Nita Prose, P-R-O-S-E. And as folks may have picked up on from our variation on the intro, this book is not magical. <laughs> I mean, it's magical, and it's a delightful book, but it is not, you know, my usual it is not your usual. I it is know. very far from your usual. I like books that make me happy. Yeah. And this book made me happy, so I wanted to share it. Okay. So if you say this book didn't make you happy, we're never podcasting again, by the way, if you wondered and would like to continue on podcasting. Three minutes and I've ruined it already. Oh, my gosh. Are you serious? So How could you not like this book? It's so... Okay. Fun. Give us a little summary first. I don't want to anymore. I'm sad. <laughs> you have pre-saddened me. Like pre-ruined it. Like a pre-moistened towelette. I am huh. pre-saddened to this discussion. <laughs> With tears. It's <laughs> With my own tears. So this book is, um, it's a little bit of a capsule mystery, like a locked room mystery, a little bit of Agatha Christie, mm -hmm. um, and just a little bit delightful, which is why you're going to break my heart. Mm. But the story follows uh, our main protagonist. Her name is Molly Gray, Molly the Maid. Mm -hmm. And Molly is uh, 25. 
her only family, her grandmother, recently passed away. And her job is as a maid at the uh, Regency Grand Hotel, which is a very fancy hotel. Super fancy. Marble and velvet and leather. And smells good. And she loves her job. Mm-hmm. She That is the only thing she ever wants totally to do. Totally dedicated. Order, style, cleanliness. She's got it. And um, one day, she happens upon one of her, her main hotel users dead in his bed. Oops. Oops. She didn't do it, by the way. Um, well, I mean, there's we, a little bit of question about that in the book. Well, we know that mostly throughout most Yes, of we did. She didn't do it. But she is framed for doing it yes, at some point is. in the book. So this story is about her and this found family she makes uh, solving a series of small mysteries connected to the larger <laughs> one. And really following her story as she kind of grows past her grief and loneliness after her grandmother passes away mm-hmm. and allows us a peek into the mindset and thoughts of someone who is neurodivergent. She is a character who is coded as autistic or somewhere on the spectrum, although it is never clearly um, stated or outlined in the book. And it was a wonderful book. So I'm just going to leave it at that. And now you can talk about how much you enjoyed it. So I expected to enjoy it because... <laughs> what an awful phrase. <laughs> Because I like mysteries. I don't mind a cozy mystery. I, yeah. You know, I'm happy to read. And I'm also happy for bubblegum for my yeah. brain. Like, I, I'm yeah. not a snob in that. Um, and you know how many times I've said, as long as the writing's good, mm-hmm. I'm good. Yeah. I'm also plot-driven. And this was a plot-driven book. Mm-hmm. And so I genuinely looked forward to finding out what happened. Mm-hmm. I was – it was very disjointed for me. Like, the writing was excellent. Mm-hmm. But it was too um, hoity-toity for the plot, which was very simplistic. And so there was like some dissonance. I don't know that dissonance is the right word, but it's a good word. It didn't track mm-hmm. with. And then this is a really dumb thing. But four or five other people online in Goodreads, I was reading there. I'm out. I'm already out. Yeah. So I was reading other people, and I waited until I had finished the book because I didn't want to be influenced. But I I was having. I was struggling because I really honestly just didn't know how I felt about the book. I enjoyed the plot, Mm. but I just really struggled because I felt like we were laughing at Molly and not – I felt like she was not being treated with care by the author. Hmm. Okay. And that is so unlike you Mm -hmm. that I was 100 percent sure that that was not the the choice, like not the intention. So I was struggling with why do I feel like – this is, isn't matching up in my brain. Mm-hmm. So one of the other really silly things that did that bothered me, um, that bothered a bunch of other people is you mean five by the five other people? Yes, okay. which is a bunch given that it's like triple the number of people that listen to our podcast. So okay. Anyway, um, she, I, you don't know where the book takes place, and I found You're not that supposed to. I found that very distracting. Oh no! Because Mm-mm. the language is very British. Mm-hmm. And you expect it to be in London. It's clearly not in London. Mm. And then it's big city, big city, brush, you know, mm-hmm. hustle, bustle, yeah. fanso, all that business. And you expect it to be New York. It's very clearly not New York. Maybe. So I, it was a distraction to me rather than just an ambiguity that was charming. And there were wow. multiple other people who just said I, that kept pulling me out of the book, huh. like to go, now, where in the hell is this? What, what am I supposed to know about this? And I finally figured it out when huh. the author used the word washroom. I was like, oh, it's Canada. 
Yeah, she's Canadian. I didn't know that. She lives in Toronto. I didn't know that. Oh, good lord! So once that happened, but the whole, all of the vocabulary of the of Gran, yes. and she gets quoted all the time. It's very clearly has a British flavor, yes. but it's not British. No, yeah, but she's a first generation immigrant. Like that's where I went with it. So, but again, I'm listening huh. to the book, yeah. and the woman is reading it mm. with an American accent, and so mm. it just was. It was mm. a lot of information that didn't really map up correctly in the sense hmm. that I thought she was trying to be respectful mm-hmm. of Molly. That's not how it came across to me. She was too simplistic. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden she's this wizard and she figures out and she does this really gray. She's black and white, black and white, mm-hmm. black and white, black and white, black and white. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden she does this super gray thing, mm-hmm. which just was sort oh, of ridiculous. I did not think she did a gray thing. I thought it was incredibly black and white. And she so chose tell me why. with her own moral aptitude. Well, okay. I want to go back to other pieces because there are so many interesting things in there <laughs> that I fully disagree with, but that's okay because sure. that's the whole point of our podcast. Um, I liked that it did not identify where this was. Okay. Um, I knew. Because um, you're smarter than I am. Well, no. I read the book jacket. And like <laughs> you read the book jacket and you're like, oh, she lives in Canada. There we are. So that's part of <laughs> when was... you listen, you don't have a book jacket. <laughs> Maybe could have read it, but it's okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, no, so I I assumed mm-hmm. when I read this the first time that I knew when I read it the second time right. that it was maybe set in Canada. Okay. But even if it wasn't, I don't care. Okay. Like I am not – I did not need to know that she was running down Broad Street right. or that she was catching whatever transit system they use in Boston. I, I don't care. Right. Because the world for her is her apartment's mm-hmm. – and the Grand Regency Hotel. Right. That is the world. And, and Olive Garden. And, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and Olive Garden, um, which was like a supporting cast member. Sure. Uh, but between those, I, I don't need to know where it is. It doesn't, right. it doesn't matter. Um, it's not like there was extensive plot things that were contingent upon it being, you know, an American city or a Canadian right. city or a British city or not even an English-speaking city. Right. So for me, I mean, it was a, it was not even anything I thought about. Yeah. Because it was... It allowed you to focus on these capsule locations in a locked mystery because that's really the only world you were intended to think about. Right. Was her within the realm of what she has shared. I definitely yeah. felt petty for having that annoy me. And, well, I, and I was somehow like felt vindicated that other people were like, and what's the deal with this? That Why didn't she just even say? If she had just said once, it's in Toronto. Boom. Done. Then I'm <laughs> – so it was interesting but to me. But if she had said once, hey, we're in Toronto – and then all that the language that was used in here had nothing to do with it. It was just, here's this beautiful hotel. Here is this kind of shabby, peeling apartment. Mm-hmm. Here is an Olive Garden where you can get a tour of Italy. She really right. likes Olive Garden, by the way. Um, why? Why would right. you include that if there's nothing else that comes out of it? Right. Unless she was going to say, like, oh, you know, the street plows in Toronto are really well maintained because I was trying to walk around the snow. I don't know. Um, so, I, so I guess that was it was a non-issue for me sure. because I didn't even think about it. Um, the treatment of Molly, I think that is a really interesting question. And you're correct. I would never pick a book for us where someone was purposely poking at or making fun or disregarding the feelings of a group of people who are not maybe the societal norm or marginalized the, in some yeah, way. anyone marginalized. Yeah. But I also didn't read it that way. Like mm-hmm. I was not – there was no point in this book where I laughed – because someone said or did or insinuated something about Molly. Mm-hmm. I laughed when she 
uh, started to poke fun at smarmy, smarmy Rodney. Yes. And she's like, do you like puzzles? <laughs> right. hmm. I guess not. Like, right. she amused me. <clears throat> and to use, like, the language of her gran, you know, you know when people are laughing with you versus at you. Right. And I was laughing with her. Right. Um, I, I, I don't... I don't know which parts – I mean, there were sections in there where there was language used about, okay, she was aware that people were making fun of her mm-hmm. and that her colleagues in this hotel called her Roomba, right. like the robot, because right. she was so systematic and robot, robotic in the depiction about how she cleaned things. But that's really a knock on other people. Right. It's not a knock on, on her as a character. The fact that she was able to both rise above and continue to – utilize the the tools and the rules that mm-hmm. her grand had given her that really just built up a character for me that she she's so young mm-hmm. she's, I, I know 25 is not that young but she's so young she's so young and she didn't have any family left right. so at the beginning of the book what I took from her was she was still just incredibly lonely mm-hmm. and trying to figure out what was next in life so she had pulled her little cocoon around herself mm-hmm. she was not listening to the negative words she was just doing her job trying to get out of debt and that as she allowed herself to accept help from more people, she became her actual self again. She bloomed mm-hmm. uh, in a way that we didn't have access to at the beginning of the story because that was not the character that she was at the beginning of the story. And I liked that about mm-hmm. her. And I don't remember what the last question was. I got too excited about the first post. <laughs> you asked me something. It's gone now. Well, I didn't think – I sort of misrepresented <laughs> my view. I didn't think that that Nita Prose was actually laughing at her mm-hmm. I just thought she did a very caricature. I didn't feel like mm-hmm. I didn't feel like any of the characters were uh, fleshed out at all. They were okay. all very buffoonish okay. to me, like shallow, mm-hmm. you know. And and I would expect more. And I think that's maybe part of the dissonance. The language was so language. so um, carefully chosen, mm-hmm. and it was clear that she was an editor. And it was yes. tight and beautifully worded. And then it was the things that it was describing never bloomed. Hmm. Like it, okay. it just fell flat. It was like all about the language, but not about the people evoking, hmm. building, setting the picture or, or painting the picture. Okay. So, um, and I felt that especially with um, both Molly and Juan Manuel. I thought he yeah. was. Juan Manuel needed more. And it Lots just more. made me feel like she would. It was, again, like white people writing, white uh, privileged people writing mm-hmm. about marginalized people, and it came across as, as <clears throat> dismissive to me. I will agree that his character needed more, mm-hmm. and I'm hopeful that it will have more in future books. Got it. Because like I said, there's a, another book coming out end of the month of November. I have only read the synopsis. It's not out yet, but I'm excited to see what happens and hopefully grow that character or other characters like Mr. Preston uh-huh. and what may be a familial relationship there or something. I don't know what it's going to be yet. Oh, you know, he's he's her grandfather. No, Boom. I think he's her secret great uncle. No, nope, grandfather. Had a, I think he had a twin. Nope. Twin is dead. Done. We're going to see. I don't know yet. <laughs> you know what? You don't know what kind of soap opera this could turn into. I'm excited to see it play out, right? Okay. Uh, but there's definitely something. There. Yes. And... Um, Juan Manuel, who is a dishwasher and he's a, an eventual love interest for Molly and someone who's tied up in all these mysteries, he certainly – he was more of a caricature. He mm-hmm. was like a placeholder. Yeah. Like this is an issue that ties into the bigger mystery. 
But there were some characters that I liked quite a lot. I liked the second Mrs. Black. Okay, Giselle. I, yeah, Giselle. Mm-hmm. I liked, I liked the the insincerity almost that she injected into the story. Mm-hmm. That she told storylines with Molly that made her a character that wanted to do something different, but was still caught up in all this other stuff mm-hmm. and runs away eventually mm-hmm. and won't help with the court cases that happen later on. And that felt sadly realistic. Yeah. Um, and I liked that that was in there to counterbalance the earnestness mm-hmm. that Molly is depicted with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked Molly. I think that this was a first book, mm-hmm. and I am excited to see where her story and growth continues. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't – I don't know that I read this and thought, like, this is a standalone book. This is all I'm ever going to get out of this character. And you know I'll have a series. Sure. So I am okay if it takes four or five or six books for me to get to a point where I'm like, I really know who this person is. Right. I feel connected. I want to reread the whole series over again to watch how their story unfolds. Right. And that's that's fine for me. And I, I have to say, I just unloaded a ton of like criticism. But like I said <clears throat> before, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed mm-hmm. listening to it. I just, I literally throughout the book was thinking, there's something that's not sitting right with me and I can't. I can't get to it. Mm. And so it took me reading other people's reviews to be like, yes, that was it. And and somebody said, the depiction of Molly made me uncomfortable. Okay. And that was – that I just felt dis- uncomfortable <clears throat> throughout the book because I it just didn't – it was unsettling. Okay. I did not feel mm-hmm. that way. Yep. Um, I, I did not. Sure. I, I thought that the depiction was – I am not, um, as far as I am aware, uh, on the spectrum or autistic, but I have family members who are. Mm-hmm. And it, it resonated yeah, for you. It was fine for me. Yep. I, I read that and I thought, this is somebody I want to love and I want to mm-hmm. help and I want to ensure that they don't get, you know, framed for murder. Right. That was that was how I felt about Miss Molly. Yes. And I did. <laughs> as, as a fellow fainter, I was very um, empathetic to her passing out at the drop of a hat. Oh, <laughs> you faux fainter. Oh, no, wait, you really faint. Yes. I do faint. I know. she. You've, really, wa- you've watched it, I haven't have, you? Yes, I have. <laughs> she really fainted, but then, you know, there's some extra in there with other things. There was a little extra in there. There were a couple pieces in here that I thought were interesting choices by the author to include. Mm-hmm. So the first one was, now I remember what we were going to talk about, was the end. Mm-hmm. And what you uh, indicated was a really great, I think that's what you're talking about, was her great decision at the end. Right. Well, there were two decisions at the end. Yeah. Um, one was euthanizing her grandmother. Yeah. That's not the one. I'm talking and about. the other is um, hiding the truth. Hiding about the truth. The yes. Was. Yes. So I actually didn't think that was great at all. Okay. So talk to me about that. So um, Molly, one uh, one day on her job, walks into the room of Mr. Black, who is a longtime re- resident, I guess, of the hotel. Mm-hmm. He's there regularly with his wife, and he appears to be dead. Um, she doesn't know that at first. She calls out. She checks his breath, all that kind of stuff, and she passes out. Mm-hmm. And when she wakes up, um, for most of the story, you believe that she has simply called downstairs to housekeeping, gotten someone, please come, all that kind of thing. She gets framed. Ta-da. And what you find out at the end of the book is that she did indeed wake up in the middle. She she sliced out a segment of the story mm-hmm. that she told to the police and on court and in other venues. And <clears throat> the person who murdered uh, Mr. Black was his first wife who she had come to talk to him about their daughter and his treatment of her and their shared company. He was drunk. He was on drugs. He was chasing her around the room. He hurt her in the past. Mm-hmm. 
he appeared to maybe have a heart attack, fell on the bed, and then it is assumed that his wife asphyxiated him with a pillow. Yes. Although not, you know, she wasn't there watching. And Molly, who has, as you've you shared, a very black and white mindset, like she, the way that she is depicted in here and the coding that she is provided by the author makes it seem like uh, most of her choices are binary. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this mm -hmm. or I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it for this reason or I'm going to do this for this mm -hmm. reason. Or good people do this and bad people do that. Correct. And her grandmother, who um, is kind of seems old fashioned mm -hmm. in the kind of flashbacks that you get, taught her all of these different rules, mm -hmm. like um, the do unto others rule mm -hmm. and the finders keepers rule. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is how people engage with other people. And so what I saw happening in that scene was Molly has, prior to this incident, become friends with the second Mrs. Black, mm -hmm. who she has seen with bruises and crying and engaged in things she obviously didn't want to be engaged in. And then she sees the first Mrs. Black having been treated the same way. And her code, her internal moral ethics says, yeah, he, he was bad yeah. and this was okay. And she lets the first Mrs. Black go. And there's the another thread that runs through it is sometimes you have to do a bad thing to for do a good thing. thing. Yep. So it was incredibly on point for me. This, right. this was for her... She used her moral compass inside, and she said, black, white, got it, done. I'm not going to tell on you. You did what you had to do to protect your family. I, you know, I did a variation of this with my grandmother. I'm not going to say anything. And that's it. So I don't disagree with your assessment of oh, the black and white, mm -hmm. just in her own, you know, how she viewed mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. What I thought was not in character was her deception in hiding it. I didn't mm. – she's very naive mm -hmm. throughout the rest of the book and earnest, as mm -hmm. you have pointed out. And to me, those two qualities should have overridden the deception of deciding – actively deciding not to tell. Like, okay. And I – so I found that to be sort of unrealistic. Um, okay. Okay. But the, but the big thing I had with, with that is at the very end of the book, the author seems to draw a, a comparison of – because throughout the book, there's this thread of people who are invisible. Yep. And, you know, She's Juan a, Manuel is one. Yep. Service workers. Yep. yep. Um, and she goes to say that women of a certain age in their 50s become – Invisible because baggy clothes. Yep, dark and glasses. nobody care. Nobody cares what they look like anymore, and that yeah. was the only value that they had in life to yeah. begin with. And of course, that's not the author's perspective. That is the author's view of society, sure. and, and I get that. But she makes this comparison that the first Mrs. Black was as invisible as Molly the maid, which nah. I think is a little bit whiny. Like, yeah. that's a that's a white woman saying, oh, I'm not beautiful anymore. People aren't paying attention to me like they used to. I'm as invisible as somebody who's been marginalized their whole life. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a mop and uh, right. nobody sees me anymore. Right. Yeah. Now, that part, I, I probably just skimmed over that right. part. But there were so many pieces in here that I genuinely enjoyed. But even the little pits right. that you were like, eh, eh, okay, that could have been re-edited or redone right. or expanded. They were okay. Like right. I could gloss over some of those things because I enjoyed other pieces. I really liked, I liked the idea that they, I hope they will expand on in future books about um, how you move on from grief. Mm -hmm. You know, so Molly's 
parents were never really a part of life. Her right. her mom and her dad was a fly by night, yep. which I thought was a, a nice little turn of phrase, an apt description. An apt description. <laughs> and her mom uh, had drug addictions, right. and so her mom dropped her off with her grandmother when she was like six or eight months old, and which was it seems to be the right choice yeah. because yeah. her mom passed away when Molly was a teenager due to that addiction. And her grandmother was a terrific influence on her. Seemed to be, yeah. yes. And maybe instilled a little bit too much love of hygiene and cleaning, but, that, <laughs> you know, we've all got our vices. And, you know, as you start the book, her grandmother's door is locked. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't open that door. She doesn't clean that room. She's just kind of like, this is closed off. This is okay. Yeah. And at the end of the book, you know, things have progressed a little bit. But I really like that exploration of how different people handle grief. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the other characters in here who were not fully formed out, right? But Giselle, the second Mrs. Black, mm-hmm. the way that she handled her her grief and her processing from from her transition out of her, her family was to try and find a sugar daddy. Right. And to have enough money to ensure that she could always buy the things that would make her happy. Right. And for our swindler, um, the second swindler, not Wilburn. Oh, yeah. Oh, I almost forgot about Wilbur. Wilburn was weird. But for the second, the slimy, smarmy one, um, you know, he got kicked out of his house. He did a million horrible, bad things. And he chose to just keep spiraling. Yeah. And how people choose to kind of effectuate that grief that they have and the loneliness. Um, I really like those types of stories. It's, mm-hmm. it's interesting to see what people choose to do with what life has given you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, and I will say... I did one <clears throat> one uh, phrase that just jumped out at me as like, oh, that's so right, mm. is she says at some point, there's always room for kindness. Yeah, there is. And and this book, again, <laughs> I don't want to sound like, I, I know I sound like negative Nelly, but um, I did enjoy the plot. I did enjoy the book. Yeah. I just, I think I just had higher expectations. Okay. I will accept your statements as your own truth and fact. <laughs> Even though I disagree You're, with them. You are very generous in that way. <laughs> okay. Well, what uh, what do you have in store for next month? Well, so I did a lot of thinking about this um, because one of the first books that I ever read about a neurodivergent uh, main character was The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Ooh. Haddon. Ooh. And I believe I listened. Yeah, I listened to that book because there are um, mathematical equations in the book and the reader had to do some tricky uh, reading to explain them. But um, it was a terrific um, begin introduction to for me. And I'm curious of how I how whether or not it um, stands up over time. And so I would like us to read it and see if and how the descriptions differ or are the same as in the maid. Okay, I am up for it. I have read this book before. Okay, but it has been I don't even know how many years. Yeah. Whenever it came out originally. Yeah, I think it's been out for about 20 years, but I may well, be wrong about that. Then I doubt I remember any of the plot lines. So we will <laughs> we'll be all fresh and new again. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you for joining us on You're Making Me Read What? Even if this book wasn't your cup of tea, there are millions more where that came from. And don't forget, you can always grab these books and lots more at your local library. So please do join us next month when we will be discussing The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Haddon. Thank you very much and keep on reading.